So uh, let's get this thing going. All right, so welcome to episode two of the Indian Diaspora podcast. Uh, today's topic is going to be about college education. But before we get going, uh, we want to do something in the next few episodes where we uh, just quickly introduce the hosts so that you guys get to know who we are and how we think. So today we're going to start with Neeraj. We're going in alphabetical order. Uh, so I'll hand this over to Neeraj so he can quickly describe his background uh, and then we'll take the show from there. Go ahead, Neeraj. All right. So my background um, is pretty laughable, though. Uh, after doing engineering, uh, typical route, came to U.S., did master's and converted masters into a PhD, but then uh, decided to uh, change the direction completely. So I joined as a collections analyst in a bank. Uh, what has that got to do with PhD? Nothing. And even for the PhD, uh, the college I came to, Virginia Tech, uh, there's several reasons. First of all, it was the probably the only school that offered me an assistantship, but the name was very familiar because there's a guy in our hall that used to walk around in a t-shirt with Virginia Tech. I'm sure that guy is in this group. He would raise, he would disclose himself. But yeah, unusual path in a way that, uh, you know, engineering, PhD, and a collections analyst in a bank. So that's my route. But uh, over the time, I jumped around and started my own business, again, around collections. Uh, in one of the episodes, maybe we can talk about it. But that's my background. Hey, Neeraj, also tell a little bit about where you grew up, just, a little, just oh, to get, so people can understand. Where I grew up, that's a good, yeah. So it's a place called Alwar. It's between Delhi and Jaipur. For those uh, who are engineering background people, they might know it for Calvinator and Aisher Tractor Factory. But those who are food uh, foodies, they might know it for a famous famous sweet called Kalakand. <laughs> All right. Very good. Hey, guys, uh, let's let's get going. So uh, uh, today's topic is college education. And the reason we're talking about it is because uh, I have a son who is uh, going to be a senior this fall. And uh, for those who have been through this journey, you know what we're getting into. We are doing college tours. We are uh, looking at sort of all the options out there, figuring out, you know, where to go. Uh, you know, should should you go to a college which is uh, close by or is it okay to go far away? Uh, you know, what are the other things we need to consider? And it feels kind of overwhelming. Uh, we've done a few tours with our with our son. I went with him to the Midwest earlier this year. We went down the East Coast recently. And uh, there's just so many variables. And we've been sort of trying to figure out how to down select and sort of how to, uh, you know, together, it's, it's a joint decision. In the end, it's where he wants to go. But all these different factors come in mind. And then, you know, there's also the price of college. Uh, college has become really expensive. So sort of how do you choose what you're going to study? And, you know, will there be a good return on the investment, et cetera? So that's the kind of thing that we've been discussing uh, in the household and uh, wanted to see sort of what are the thoughts on this around around the group here. Uh, I know Neeraj, your son has a couple more years before he goes to college and then a daughter soon after. My daughter's got three years after my son. Uh, Shashi, your son is already in college in the UK, so we can talk about that. Uh, just from my perspective, the the way we've been thinking about it, and I think one of the key 
uh, variables that my son has been playing with is that he wants to go into, if possible, more of an urban environment. Um, he's grown up pretty much in suburbia around a not so big city called Hartford in Connecticut. Uh, he feels like getting into the city environment, and I, I strongly support that. I think getting into a city environment or place where more things are happening uh, with all the not just immersion in the business environment, but also the culture could be very good. Uh, and then we talk about, you know, all the other things, you know, uh, you know how much, how diverse is the campus. Uh, uh, when we actually went and stood at some universities and looked around, we suddenly realized that, okay, everything you visualized was wrong. When you're actually standing there, some places feel like, boy, I would love to be here. And some places feel like, yeah, I don't really know if I'd have a good time here. And I think that plays into the other aspect that uh, we talk a lot about is, you know, the four-year experience has to be more than just academics. You know, what else are you are you going to do here? And what are what are the skills and memories you're going to take away? Uh, I can say, you know, and my son always comes back. So I say, you know, uh, I had I went to IIT, but I, uh, uh, you know, my memories are not of the time I spent in the classroom. I, all my best memories are of the times that I spent outside. And uh, he'll look at me and say, yeah, but you went and studied a lot there, right? And I said, well, we had to study, but that was not all that I took away. And uh, how do you sort of bring all these variables together? Uh, maybe I'll start with... Uh, with Shashi, because Shashi, you actually sent a kid to college, so uh, and and you're in the UK. But if you can shed some light on how you guys thought about this, so Vijay, I think the first thing to draw out is that there is a huge amount of difference in the way uh, college or university admissions happen in the UK compared to the US. Uh, you know, I mean, in the US, the uh, there is a huge option to go for a liberal arts degree where you you, know, you apply for college and then you can choose what major you want to do. I mean, in the UK, you have to make those choices much earlier in life. And the way this process works is that, um, you know, the school leaving here is what's called A-levels. Um, that happens when you're about 18. But there's also an earlier test called the GCSE, which happens when you're about 16. Um, and you start filtering down, you know, the choice of subjects that you want to pursue from that point on. So at GCSE, everything's open for you. Um, but depending upon what grades you get and uh, what you want to pursue after that, you have to narrow down the field to three or four subjects that you pursue at A-levels. And college admissions are very often demanding of particular subjects. So, for example, if you want to study engineering, they will ask for maths and pure maths as a required degree. You know, a maths, pure maths and physics, for example, would be a required degree for physics, for, for engineering. So it's a much more uh, regimented process, you know, and one that we would be very familiar with coming from India because this is not dissimilar to what we had to do with our, you know, class 10 exams and class 12 exams. Um, so that's one part of it, that the system filters you down towards a, a particular path. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, the college admissions process is actually a lot, lot more streamlined, a lot more simple. Uh, doesn't mean it's any less difficult, but it is a, it's a, it's a simpler process mm -hmm. in that there is a common admissions process through which pretty much every university has to go through. You apply through a common portal. You don't have to go around applying to every university on its own. Um, and you, you know, you, again, you get a choice of, you, know, you can apply to five, you can get up to three offers, and then you've got to make your choice. Uh, so again, it's a very streamlined process in that respect. But I think the bigger question for, um, you know, for debate here is how do you go about from that process making a choice that suits your need? Now, all of us here on this call today, you know, we're all engineers and we've all been to IIT, you know, we've all been through a very similar experience. 
and in many cases come from family backgrounds where um, you know there are many other engineers in our family as well i mean it's certainly in my family we are dominated by engineers and you know we'll talk about it at some other point so you know it felt at one level to be a very natural thing for my son to pursue engineering but i was very conscious and my, my wife and i we were very conscious that we didn't want to force him down a particular path and that given that there are many more opportunities available you know we wanted it to be uh, based on his choices and his interests and when he was you know doing his gcse's in particular you know there were other interests that he had you know he wanted to study economics um he wanted to study history i have a huge passion for history and he's picked up some of that as well and so he pursued some of that through his gcse's and a levels in fact he had an a level in economics as well um but his school uh, were very good at trying to support children through how to go around making career choices and they did psychometric tests and the like you know mm-hmm. at one level he was very dismissive of those psychometric tests but um it's not surprising that the psychometric tests came in and said that he uh, should have you know he should pursue engineering as a career so that's what he's ended up doing um he's followed a path where uh, he did his maths and pure maths and eventually ended up applying to engineering colleges in the UK it's again through that common process that i talked about and he's ended up um, studying engineering and is just finished 2 years of his course that's that's uh, that's it feels like there's a much more structured process that you went through there shashi and but there are a lot of commonalities i think the two things that i caught on to was one uh the application process there is a common app process here in the US too but then you you know some schools require you to write specific essays for why you want to go there but i think the bigger piece that i took away was what else right so even if you have a good idea of what the major is that you want to pursue what are the other things you want to do my son uh, again interestingly he's always been inclined towards uh building things with his hands and he got into coding in a big way in the last couple of years so he wants to study computer science but he also says i love sort of building things so uh, something that mixes it with some sort of engineering electrical or mechanical engineering would be interesting and perhaps uh, a minor in psych or something but i do feel that there is uh there is a tendency at least in me when i talk to him to really push hard also on okay you know uh, as you choose what you're going to study are you also looking out to sort of you know given the cost of education uh making sure you have the right return on investment and depending on which school you go to and what major you pursue do you have good line of sight so assume that you know we don't fund any part of your education would you feel comfortable uh taking on whatever you're planning to take on so um there seems to be you know uh, we we go back and forth on that quite a bit too uh with my daughter we still don't know what she wants to study It'll probably get more interesting when we get to her uh because it may not be engineering uh which starts putting both my wife and I a little bit out of our comfort zone uh but we we definitely want to do what you did which is you know hey in the end let's figure out what really excites you and make sure that there's an ROI um i know it's a little earlier for you sorry go ahead shashi you have something to say which i think you know there's one thing uh, again to draw a contrast here i mean the cost of college education here is very different compared to the US i mean so you know 20 years ago um college or university education used to be free in the uk uh, but fees were introduced only in 2003 and at present uh, fees are capped to 9300 pounds per year if you are a uk resident but of course there's a very different story if you're an international student coming to the uk but for uk residents you know 9300 pounds in tuition for a year is the absolute limit that any college or university is allowed to charge 
So, you know, it makes the whole process of education a bit more affordable, but it doesn't take away from the point that you that you were making that when you're considering something that's that expensive, um, you know, not just in terms of money, but also in terms of time, then thinking through carefully about what the return on investment is, um, is really critical. <laughs> that just blows my mind, by the way, the fact that your uh, qualification is capped at the number you just mentioned. Um, so let me uh, move this to Neeraj. Neeraj, I know you're a little uh, earlier than me in this, uh, sort of one more year to go, but uh, have you started discussing this uh, in your household with your son, with your daughter? How, how, does, it, how does it play out in your household? <laughs> it's actually a, a battle that I'm losing. Let me just say that. Uh, <clears throat> so as I probably mentioned in my previous, uh, you know, in our previous podcast, my son wants to be a sports broadcaster and my daughter is pursuing drama. But... The challenge is I am not used to the American college system as of yet. Maybe because I wasn't really into it. I've been talking to you guys and some other friends. But as Shashi mentioned, the key difference is in India, you know what you want to do. And you give an entrance exam and you pick a college and you, whether you like it or not, you stick with it. In U.S., the possibilities are endless. You can start as a liberal arts major and end up being a dentist. Or you can start as a pretty much as an engineer and end up being a, a pediatrician. I know people that have gone these extreme situations, right? To me, that's not easily imaginable how you go from liberal arts to being a dentist or from an engineering to a pediatrician, right? So knowing that these changes are possible, I've kind of not, I won't say I've quit, but I'm letting my children now decide what they want to do as long as it's a decent college where they can grow. And one thing that has happened to me is my perspective of college education has completely changed in the last several years. Actually, when, even when I came, we consider, and Vijay, you were mentioning that you were telling your son that it's not about the classroom education, it's what happens outside. I'm actually a big believer that I actually am not a believer in what happens in the class education in colleges, but what happens outside. Uh, the networking, the learning from your peers, your friends, and eventually figuring out your future direction. So to me, at this point, I'm fine as long as my son goes to a college. I'm a believer in college education. That, that's old school me. But in terms of what he needs to do, I think he can figure it out when he's in college. I mean, I was joking about myself, right? Uh, engineering from IIT Kharagpur, PhD in material science from Virginia Tech, and I'm pretty much in a default and collection space. So that's where I am, Vijay, to be honest. Yeah, I think one of the things I wanted to throw in here and not necessarily, you know, something that at least with my son we're pursuing because he's pushed back on it multiple times, but the whole idea of a portfolio education that seems to be getting more and more sort of gaining steam of late, right? So the idea is in the past or even now, we kind of see college education as a four-year snapshot where you go get a bunch of skills and then you kind of go away and do the rest of your career. But because things are moving so fast, uh, some people are saying, look, it's so expensive to go to college and why do I want to spend all my money in one shot? Why don't I progressively build skills, especially if you're going to be in some of these uh, domains around software and stuff like that? There are some uh, techniques you can, uh, you know, you can go to some of these uh, uh, online education uh, places where you can pay some money and get some skills and progressively build 
out your skill set while interning and then eventually working for companies. Uh, what uh, and I think this also applies not just to the technical side; it could also be on on some of the other disciplines you mentioned. Have you ever considered that? And sort of what is your opinion on that? Because I feel like that's where a lot of people are going to end up as the cost of college education spikes, at least in the U.S. And we know of people who finish one or two years, drop out and, and go start a company or work somewhere else and do really well. So do you have an opinion on that? I'm, I'm, okay, I'm back. Sorry, My, I was having the mute issues. Okay, so two, three years back, I actually attended a, a, a sort of a speaker series and the speaker was one of the Fed chair. I think he was from Philadelphia uh, or Fed chair. One of the things he mentioned was, for some reason in U.S., we have lost focus on vocational training and education. And that's where the demand is. Everybody wants like a white collar job or some, you know, boardroom job. And that's how they're pursuing education. But the reality is America, and I'm talking America because I live in here, needs more vocational folks and it's it sounds like oh my god what are you talking about like a plumber and electrician that's not something i want my son to do but my i'm questioning that why not now because if he's you know you're talking about your son likes to construct something and he's handy if that's what makes him happy and that's where he excels why not right so i have not actually so i've actually considered that that if my son one day wants to do something like that i would definitely pursue the problem is he's not if I give him a screwdriver, he'll look at a screwdriver as if he's looking at a pencil. He doesn't know what to do with that. So that that joke aside, I, I think that you're talking about the packaging and all these, the, how the education has become. I am not a fan of the current way, you know, people pursue education or education is offered. If I, could, if I could just come in there, I think, you know, one thing that we've noticed and certainly I've noticed in the UK is that there's been a big push towards apprenticeships in the last I would say decade or so, and uh, I mean, in my in my organization, we run a very big apprenticeship program. You know, we've got dozens of people now on apprenticeships. The difference is that you know when you join in as an apprentice at the age of eighteen, you start getting paid, and you start learning some skills alongside. So, in three or four years, you know, when you um, instead of leaving college with a huge amount of debt, uh, you're leaving. You know, you're getting a, a qualification. You know, not with a huge amount of money behind you, but you're certainly not leaving it with any debt. And you know, when you when you look at um, that career path and see how some people have become very successful out of it, you know, I think it's worth questioning the value of many of the degrees that people are pursuing at immense expense through through college. Um, and you know, those alternative paths are becoming available. Uh, interestingly, when when my son was looking at college, you know, the his school advised him. It's one of the top schools in the UK, but they advised him to look at apprenticeships. Now, we chose not to go down that path, and he chose equally, you know, at, at our advice not to go down that path because there's something about the college experience and the campus experience and all that that still has a lot of value. But if I look at the apprenticeship programs that we are trying to run, because I have a large number of people with me, what we are trying to do is to inculcate that kind of campus experience for them where they're learning not just from uh, the work that they're doing, but from each other and trying to create that camaraderie that you would expect in a college campus. So I think these paths are becoming available and we shouldn't be shy of investigating these to see if there, there is value in it because definitely the cost of going through this path is very different. Yeah, and I think the other thing to note is that a uh, lot of the options now on the sort of progressive route that we are talking about 
are actually very lucrative. I mean, it's not like you start with a very low salary, depending on the skills you pick up. Uh, and, you know, there's so many things changing so fast that what wasn't in demand yesterday could be in high demand today. And if you have the right skill set, you could be making really good money. So I think that's the reason why, especially if you're in the software side, I feel like that could be a very viable path. And I keep challenging my son about it. Anyway, I think uh, there are other so, things on our mind. Vijay, a couple of other... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Vijay, I just, I just want to add one thing, just, just because, and maybe I'm breaking order here. But one of the key things that uh, we discovered is how willing are the parents, you know, Neeraj mentioned this uh, a minute ago, how willing are the parents that allow the kids to do that? And it's it's not to do with uh, the kids. What I've seen is that it's to do with the parents. Uh, parents would much rather say that, oh, my kid's going to Harvard or Duke rather than saying that they're going to a community college or they're going to a technical training college, right? And so within the diaspora, then there has also has to be a mind shift change where these alternative paths are not considered subpar or, or, or you know, not as good. And this this seems to be what's also driving some of the mindset of the kids because it's a... Um, it's an expectation in many cases parents put on them or the, in, in a lot of cases the kids put on themselves that, hey, the kid, the parents graduated from top university so they cannot do anything less, right? And so so for all of these things to go, we found that the mindset also has to shift. We can talk more. We can talk more if, if time Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Uday, time, yeah. Uh, by the way, this is Uday. He's one of our seniors who's our invited guest. And maybe we'll, this is a good time to transition into... Uh, bringing a couple, so we have invited a couple of people, who guests, uh, very good friends of ours, who are actually sending their kids to college this fall, who have a little more contemporaneous <laughs> experience doing this. Uh, I think before we pull it in, Shashi, you had something else to add. No, I think the you know I mean I would completely echo the point that Uday is making, which is that uh, there is a huge amount of peer pressure not among the children themselves, but among the parents. To you know, get the bragging rights to see you know which schools and which colleges and uh, which jobs their children are going to, and I think this is a very big part of the problem of trying to stream people, stream children towards things that they may or may not want to do. Um, and you know, I mean, the, pro- pro- the problem is that you know we grew up in an environment where we had the pressure of saying you've got to go to IIT, and now we're visiting that pressure on our children without much thought to. Oh, well, well not, not, I shouldn't say without much thought, but without, sometimes without thought to what would be ideal for them. Yeah, and I think it plays out, you know, even though we might say that we are open to this and that, it definitely plays out as a bias in how we sort of, in which direction we push them and sort of how we influence their decision making. And I'm always looking out for that bias too. Uh, but I also believe that, you know, certain schools, certain brands, certain experiences have huge benefits. Uh, the networking side that I think we just talked about is, is is very big for certain disciplines in certain colleges. And hey, if you're going to get that return on investment, go for it. But I think we have to go in with eyes wide open as to for what we're pursuing and why we're going where we're going. Let's get right, a guest so, in, Vijay. Yeah, let's bring a guest in. So Shashi, you want to bring in uh, the first guest? Yeah, sure. Um, so our first guest today is uh, Topopal, one of our seniors who was in IIT Kharagpur for a very long time. Um, in fact, many generations of students knew him because he's one of these people who pursued a BSc and MSc and a PhD at, uh, at IIT Kharagpur and therefore was there for you know, probably nine or 10 years. Um, Topo's got two children. Uh, the older one is about to go into, uh, into college. And Topo, um, 
let's bring you in here. She's chosen a very expensive path for you. So tell us a little bit about how that has worked out and how, how you've gone around making that and how she's gone around making that choice. Hey, hey, thank you uh, uh, for inviting me and glad to be here. So, yes, I was, uh, I was listening to you. So I think, it, you know, before I answer your question directly uh, about college, I think uh, whether college is, is, is a viable thing in the long term is a, is a different discussion altogether. For at least now, we all are kind of bought into the idea that, hey, our kids need to go to college because uh, that's what we have been used to in our past and that's where we came from. So in terms of uh, what uh, our daughter could take up as her career, uh, we had a lot of discussions uh, in the house. Uh, but uh, right uh, at the outset, I must tell you that we did not visit any college due to uh, circumstances that uh, you know was, was there around COVID and other situations. So we basically looked up the things in the internet and asked people around about which college is what and how do they, uh, you know, uh, how, how they look like or how they feel like, uh, or, you know, from our friends. So in our mind, what we had was uh, basically two things. One is, uh, the first one is actually decided that she has to go to the college because as I said, that's where it came from. The next thing is, uh, what uh, does she want to do? Now, in, in, in the US, at least in Virginia, around this place, there's a concept called uh, uh, gifted student track uh, sort of thing. It's like, uh, you know, high performing students kind of selected or filtered out during their uh, initial school days from uh, kindergarten to, to first grade to elementary school. And, you know, she kind of got into that because maybe we pushed. We don't really remember how that happened, but she was in that, that stream of students that are always being uh, treated a little differently on the side. Uh, and that's how she landed up in a specialty school uh, in her high school. And I think it's kind of the same thing that we experienced in our school days back in home. Like if you go to one of these good schools, then you are in the track of uh, your future career. You mix around with uh, different kind of students around you. And that's why you have different sort of mindset built up because of peer pressure or whatever that is. So she kind of landed into this uh, STEM area with a special interest in, in uh, biology, medical, and all that. And then the question was, which school to attend? So it is the same uh, debate that we had almost every day. Is it uh, worth uh, spending a lot of money to go to a big school, uh, like Ivy grade school, or is it uh, a good idea to just remain within the state? Uh, so while she was applying we had this discussion and then we kind of decided that let's uh, let 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 us make that decision when she gets an offer and so she applied to some good schools and expensive schools and uh, she got many offers from in-state schools as well as uh, you know some of these big schools uh, finally she chose duke uh, uh, just to set that aside uh, but we did actually have a lot of debate around whether to spend the money or not. But then we said that, you know, since we came from a different background, like we attended the best school in India, and I at least personally did not ask my father whether he can afford it. Of course, the education 
cost in India was, was, was very low, very low, almost negligible. But then still uh, for a, you know, for a regular government employee, uh, it was not that easy to send your school to boarding school right from the get-go. So with that, we kind of made a decision that, hey, you know, let's not talk about return of investment because who knows what will happen after four years. Uh, but at least let her have the best experience in terms of uh, what they call quality or the ambience or, or the lifestyle or whatever it is. Let her experience the best thing going forward. And then we can decide after four years what the next steps are. But at least what we found during that process is that there's a stark difference between us going to college at that age in India uh, and, and, there's a diff- and, and her going to college at this age in here. One of the biggest difference we found that in India, we kind of chose or was given the path that we have to be in and then got into IIT. And I think in here, these four years is, is something that the people that, that, that my kids are, are supposed to figure out uh, where they want to go after these four years. So, so it's kind of, uh, you know, we don't know what she's going to do after four years, but we know that she's in a good place and that's the comfort that we get out of it. Thank you, Toboda. That is very helpful. And there are so many things that you just said that uh, sort of resonate with a lot of the conversations going on in our house. Sorry, Shashi, I think you were a little late to get in. Go ahead. You had to say something. Yeah, Topa, a question for you. So, um, I mean, clearly you have the advantage that you can uh, choose many different career paths um, after a four-year college degree. But tell us a bit about what her aspirations are. So, at some point, she wanted to be a musician. Uh, and then that changed uh, once she got into this, you know, this, uh, what do you call, uh, specialty schools and all that. So, she wants to be a doctor at this point. She So, she wanted to uh, going to this pre-med path. So she has kind of choosing the pre-med path at this point. But again, as I said, after four years, what will happen? I don't know. She doesn't know. But she's eyeing for being a doctor. That's wonderful. It's wonderful to hear that. Topo. And, you know, just reflecting on a point that you made, you know, I mean, college education looks incredibly expensive in the U.S. Um, compared to what it cost us in India. But um, the point that you made that, you know, that very inexpensive education was still very expensive for our parents is a yes. point that we shouldn't forget. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that was, uh, you know, I, 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 right now I look back and I kind of realize that I never asked my father whether he can yeah. afford it. I always took it as granted that, yes, she has to afford it. Yeah. All right. So I think uh, thanks so much, Sopada. That that was uh, very helpful and very illuminating. And I think the last uh, exchange between you and Shashi uh, says a lot about uh, how we should be thinking about our kids' education too. Uh, I'll I'll hand it to Neeraj to bring in our next guest. Yeah. So next we have our dear friend Uday Deshpande, and Uday, like most of us, uh, you know, typical route IIT University of Kentucky, and uh, Correct me there later if you you are a distinguished alumni of University of Kentucky, right? So so we'll we'll definitely give us a little bit of background on that. But uh, Uday's daughter just graduated high school, and pardon me, I forgot what school she's headed to 
or college she's headed to, but uh, Anisha just graduated high school with a lot of honors and awards. Uh, I remember talking about that uh, earlier in the year. So one thing I'm going to do is skip Uday's uh, nickname. I'm going to let him uh, make fun <laughs> of it himself. <laughs> you know, it goes back to the same part that we're talking about. It's not the classroom. What happens outside the classroom? And I want Uday to explain the outside of the classroom part of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Uday. Welcome to the club. Uh, hey, thanks. 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 Thanks, Mindy. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leak out your nickname also. Uh, but... Uh, but but absolutely, I, I and well before I get into that, thank you for having me over. Uh, this is actually kind of exciting. Uh, so uh, a great great initiative, and sort of look forward to these pod podcasts spreading and growing to great heights. Um, so the and, and then again, I apologize for speaking out of turn earlier, uh, but I just couldn't I just couldn't help myself in that on that topic. Um, so I, like like Mendy said, yes, very very. I guess in some ways a traditional route. Um, um, completed my PhD from the University of Kentucky. I still do engineering. Um, I, I, I guess I don't. I don't have the smarts to go do finance or or or, or, or other other things that uh, that all the other other folks have over here. So I stuck with uh, what I've studied, and that's what I've been doing for the last gosh thirty some years now. I hope. Um, so my daughter just graduated high school. Um, we went through some of the same things that we've talked about. Uh, we started college visits, not a whole lot because of COVID times. But w one thing we realized that each college visit gets exciting. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like this. I like this. And then it actually causes more confusion. So we then decided to do college visits only for the colleges that she gets accepted to and that she's really interested in. And so we pushed, postponed everything else until after she got accepted. Now, while we were going through the um, the initial processes and we're realizing how confusing this is, as we've talked, like our process was much more streamlined and, and things here are not. Um, we read one book that was extremely helpful. And, and, and the, the title of the book is Where You Go is Where You're Meant to Be. Right? <clears throat> so for us at least, and at least our friends who, who have read this, uh, it really helped to sort of dispel sort of the stress and the confusion around the process is like, look, I mean, most colleges are good enough. Um, you know, the kids are kids capabilities are, are strong. They'll get into colleges that are that are equally strong. And then uh, the differences start becoming somewhat minor in terms of, um, you know, where you go to, notwithstanding all the things we talked about in terms of network and everything else. But the biggest benefit of that book was that it served to calm the whole process down for us. And not just for us as parents, but also uh, for my daughter as she was trying to figure it out. Two that we that we realized was um, uh, you really have to sort of let the kids free a little bit. Even if you're providing guidance and even if you're providing um, inputs, let them explore Right. Um, and along the process of let them explore was to also establish what is it that they don't want to do. So for my daughter, what was very clear, she established she, she's not doing engineering. Um, and said, good. So the moment you know what you don't want to do, it helps you to eliminate several colleges, because hey, if this college is known specifically for engineering and not what you want to study, then take it off the list. Right. So you don't have to get hung up on on that. Uh, three was. Um, 
Um, the psychometric test that that Shashi mentioned. Uh, so yeah, she she went through all that stuff also, and what we realized was you need to take a look at them a little bit deeper because if we took the psychometric tests at face value, she should be an engineer. Um, in fact, in particular, it kept showing up as she should be a nuclear engineer. Um, so it's like okay, but what that what when we started looking deeper, it's like okay, these are the actual background skills, the base skills, you know, analytic thinking, um, problem solving is really what the but the core capabilities that she has and says, okay, fine. Now you based on that, what do you like to do? Um, and then the, the last, the last bit was um, you know, what, what Vijay, you mentioned, you know, kids want urban areas. Definitely. That was very much a factor, uh, you know, uh, big cities, just because you can do so much more in big cities was, was a, was a big thing. Uh, but the other thing that we found was very, very strong and also not just within Anika, but also with all of her peers that we're going through is uh, what we say in Hindi, ghar ki murgi dal barabar. So it doesn't matter that you have got a good college next to your house, just because it's next to your house, they don't want to go there. I Topo's experienced this uh, uh, firsthand, but every kid has gone through exactly the same thing. So finally, my daughter is going to the UN University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, she is planning to study global studies, international relations, um, probably minor in international business uh, or finance, one of one of the two. Um, her goal right now is to go work in the State Department. She wants to go work in embassies around the world, work in different countries, uh, uh, promoting um, whatever you want to call it, cultural exchange, political exchange, uh, uh, policies and stuff like that, but not full-blown politics. So... Again, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know where that goes. The last thing I leave the people whose kids are planning to apply or in the process of applying is a a key element that we realized in the whole application process is how do you distinguish yourself, right? Um, Indian kids in general tend to be high achievers, right? Most most kids, um, if you look around, your own kids tend to be you know, A students uh, doing all kinds of great things, you know, everything from research in high school to, um, uh, you know, cultural achievements and so on, right? So when you start looking within the pool of applicants that are then comparable, you suddenly start finding that, okay, you know, uh, maybe they've done research papers, maybe they've done, you know, dance classes, maybe they've done... Um, start, you know, started little companies. I mean, it's all kinds of different things that suddenly start becoming fairly uh, commonplace. So then the question becomes within that space, how do you distinguish yourself? And as people start, and I, I tell what we learned is start in the ninth grade or end of ninth grade at the latest, where you start building your portfolio up to when you start getting into your application letters, you are able to show a consistency of theme that identifies both your interests, your strengths, your uh, uh, accomplishments. And that consistency of theme is what we found to be a key differentiator in the application process. And at least speaking in the U.S. terms, uh, where colleges are going more and more test optional, these things are becoming more and more critical to uh, to, to success because um, we, we found kids with otherwise similar GPAs, uh, similar applications don't get into the same colleges. And it's almost, you know, unclear. Well, it's not almost. It is unclear why. 
right? What what factors have influenced uh, decision making? So, a lot of different things to keep in mind. Um, but but keep keep consistency of your interests and accomplishments uh, during the application process. Don't get too hung up on 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 the school at least during the initial thought process, and let the kids um, do some figuring out for themselves uh, to what they like and what they don't like, so that the parents are not constantly driving a decision uh, on the kids. So I'll 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 stop with that and. Uh, Anybody has any comments, questions? I'm happy to. Hey, hey thanks, thanks, today. You know that was wonderful to hear from you. Uh, I, I just wanted to reflect on one thing, and this is probably a bit of a lighthearted moment. Um, you talked about your daughter um, not wanting to go to a college close to home. Uh, we tried very hard with our son to get him out of London. You know, we live in the middle of London. <laughs> uh, we tried very hard to get him out of London, but he's ended up in a college that's literally a mile away from where we live. So, you know, this is the equivalent of, you know, in our experience, when we were in, uh, in IIT Kharagpur, we had a very small number of people that we called campusites, or because they were from the campus or they were local. London, of course, is a big city, so you end up with many more people of that kind. But he's ended up, you know, like literally going to the local college. It turns out to be the best engineering college in the UK, but that's a different part of the whole story. But he was intent that he didn't want to leave London and he wanted to go there. So... So, so, so you, you, you bring that up, right? You realize that I, I, I am a campusite. Yes. So, yes. so I, I literally went half a kilometer, literally went half a kilometer from where I grew up. Yes. <laughs> but the same reason, right? I mean, it, 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 uh, uh, I, could have, I could have gone to IIT Bombay, um, but I wasn't getting what I wanted to study. So that, that drove my decision. But, uh, but I think, you know, all of anyway, us are but, yeah, it's I think all of us are reflecting on this, that, that, you know, the whole college experience and the, you know, we should look at this as investment in not just money, but also time. You know, there's four years of your mm-hmm. life that you're taking out um, to go through this experience. And it's important to consider carefully, you know, what kind of experience you want to, you want to spend your time getting. And the whole thing about, you know, what you're studying, who you're with, making friends with, what kind of campus experience you're getting, they're all part of this. Now, interestingly, you know, Topo talked about this, but not visiting campuses before his daughter made a choice. I mean, if you look at our experience from when we were children, none of us had ever been to any campuses. Now, you may have been to right. IIT Kharagpur because you were a local, but I'd never been to IIT Kharagpur. Turns out my right. people in my family would been there. But, you know, this whole idea of, um, you know, we were in one respect very streamlined in that we had to make a choice through an exam and you ended up wherever you ended up. On the other side, we were taking a complete leap into the dark. I mean, if you look at people like Neeraj, you know, coming from uh, way out in the country, you know, people in Alwar had probably never heard of where Kharagpur was. I mean, these were fairly significant decisions that we made. Equally, the decisions that we made to go and pursue graduate school in the U.S. were very big leaps. You know, you, um, and Neeraj again talked about, I was the person who used to wear a Virginia Tech t-shirt because my brother used to be at Virginia Tech. But, you know, what knowledge did we have of any of these places? I mean, I would say very little. And I think over-chaperoning our children to say, you know, everything needs to be perfect before they figure out where to go is probably a bit like helicopter parenting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very, very, very true, Sashi. That very true. I, I love it. I think what it's coming also down to, uh, Shashi, Uday, is that maybe too much data is, is like any other place. Uh, sometimes it's uh, paralyzing. And in the end, you have to 
sort of look at the two or three things that you really care about, go with your gut, and, and everything will work out. I think the book you mentioned, I'm definitely going to look it up. Because uh, that's the other thing we talk about in our family, too, is like, you know, uh, your life, your career is what you make of it. Uh, and mm-hmm. irrespective of where you start, it's how you pursue those opportunities and your passions and find, you know, if you have initiative, you will make it to a good place and you'll do well. But Vijay, you know, it's worth reflecting on our own careers, you know, there's uh, six of us on this call. But, you know, I mean, we, if you look at our friends throughout um, all the different batches of IIT Kalakpur alone, um, the, the career paths that people have ended up pursuing are so divergent from the degrees that we studied for. And, you know, we see this in our workplace as well. You know, I mean, if anyone comes and tells me that they have a five-year or 10-year plan for their career, I mean, I often laugh at it. So I think the whole point of college here is to provide a good foundation degree that allows, you know, our children to make the most of society and the advantage and the opportunities that might come their way in the future. But I think to try and overthink uh, this and over-engineer it to say it has to be absolutely perfect um, is asking for more than anyone has ever been able to achieve. Uh, yes, Shashi, one more thing, uh, you know, about, about that four-year college. I think uh, one of the things that we sometimes miss is that if you go to a good school, then you actually end up being in a good network, just like us. Uh, that also is kind of important, I think, in the long run. Right, absolutely, Topada. And I think that was what I was mentioning about sort of specific locations, which they bring sort of different types of uh, returns on your investment of time and money. Anyway, I'm going to be the bag pop here and keep us moving because we do have one more guest. Thank you so much, Aday. Really appreciate your insights too. But I think we need to give enough time for the third and final guest of the day. Uh, this is, I want to set this up a little. So the person we'll be speaking with next is one of our batchmates from IIT Kharagpur. Uh, he and I and Shashi and Vishwas, we all live next door to each other during our time there. He was also my roommate in graduate school. And after he completed his PhD, he stayed in his technical discipline, unlike some of the others we are talking about, and, and now is a, a very senior scientist at NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Both his kids will be going to college this fall, but the roads they took to get there were very different. Uh, that's because uh, our friend's daughter, Ashna, was diagnosed with autism when she was two years old. When Ashna was 11, she was told that she had the IQ of a pre-kindergartner. And now just eight years later, Ashna has finished high school and is getting ready to start her undergraduate education at George Mason University. To hear their family's incredible and inspiring story, I now welcome our good friend and very proud dad, Arun. Arun, are you there? Uh, I heard a click there, Arun. So I'm assuming you're there. Yeah, I can see you. I can see you on the app. Yeah. Hey, we are we are so excited to speak with you today. And as I said, Ashna's road has not been a typical one. Can you tell us what it's been like in the past few years in your family, and just walk us through through the journey to get her to college? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me, and thank you for the, those kind words, Vijay. Um, as you know, uh, well, both me and my wife. And uh, went to the same college, IIT Kharagpur. We all, you all knew her there as well. And uh, so our journey has been, you know, there's there's no roadmap for it. So we're, uh, you know, the road takes a left turn. Well, our our life has taken many left turns. So, um, so yeah. So we, I have, as as we just said, I have two children, um, Ashna, who's 19, and she has a younger brother, Rohan, who's 18. And, uh, you know, so Ashna was diagnosed with autism when she was two years old. 
Rohan is neurotypical, so his experience is you know, very typical to all the things that you describe about. So um, I'll talk a little bit about him later, but but more in thing was with Ashna. Um, so you, you know, she was nonverbal, so it was it wasn't mild autism. There's no 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 Saman, Saman stuff. I mean, she has she has some challenges as as a kid, so she couldn't speak. So you know, so life life was very difficult to say the least uh, growing up. Um, you know, we. we she couldn't say when she was hungry. She couldn't say what bothered her, pained her, and we kind of had to figure it out with how she kind of cried and things like that to figure things out out that way. I mean, you know. So, um, I mean, we, we say she's non-verbal. She can say words, but they tend to be, at least for earlier, they tended to be echolaliac. So she basically repeated whatever was the last thing said because she couldn't get words out. And... That kind of has led to, you know, it becomes very difficult. If a person cannot speak, it's very hard to judge. The tests are, all of our IQ tests are based on what they, what people say and everything. And and we make assumptions about people's abilities based on what they can say. And, and so that's how um, she was diagnosed, you know. So she had an autism diagnosis. She went to special ed classes all through, you know, when she started school. Uh, we've always had a series of therapists. I'm not going to go into details of that. You could have a full show on that. But uh, essentially, you know, we had the speech psychologist. We had, uh, you know, occupational therapist. Uh, you name it. She had lots of challenges. And we were dealing with all of that. Um, you know, Naini, my wife, was an engineer at Intel. When Ashna was born and after she was diagnosed, she quit her job because she wanted to take care of Ashna for a while. You know, she's back now at work, but, but for a while there, she was staying at home with her. And so uh, when she was about 11 years old, and we, we'd run the whole gamut of things that we've tried, we, we came across families who were trying to uh, essentially get their children to communicate by typing on letter boards, you know, by reaching out and spelling out words on letter boards and see if you can reach like that. And so we started following that process, but it was kind of slow. You know, you can imagine a uh, situation where you are, you know, you keep somebody's legs tied up for 10, 11 years, and then you open the legs and say, hey, now can you walk? And it's not going to happen easily. There was a process to it, and, and, and it was very slow and painful. And, you know, so... At this time, Ashna was still seeing a speech psychologist. And the things that we were doing was, you know, which is 11 years old and we're trying to get her to say grass is green. And, you know, you put, you're put pointing to pictures of green grass and what's the color of the grass and waiting for her to say green and things like that. So very elementary, rudimentary kind of things that we were trying to get her to say. And and so that's what uh, we had a speech psychologist that she was seeing and we had a series of therapists who would come home to work with Ashna based on these exercises that the psychologist would give. And and so this was all going on and in the meantime we started typing with, with this letter board. And so we had a few therapists, they started working with Ashna. And the penny dropped, you know, because every once in a while Ashna would say something or would do something, but like, you know, this, there is a mind here that's much sharper than what at least seems to be, maybe we thought it was our own thought process that was holding us back or something like that. You know, or, you know, we were like, sometimes we get confused that maybe as parents we're seeing more than there is. So, uh, so, so that 
you know, we're going through that journey. That's what we just said. You know, we, we had a we had a IQ test, like, you know, as part of her ending elementary school, there was an IQ test given to her. But because she could not speak completely, you know, the IQ rating came that she's pre-kindergarten level at the age of 11. Around that time, you know, the, the, the penny dropped where, you know, I remember that day very quickly, you know, like 90 came home and, um, you know, the therapist came running out of the room and she's got this piece of paper and she's got a shocked look on her face. And she's like, you know, she types uh, whatever Ashna would spell out on a letterboard, uh, this girl would write it down so that, you know, it was that conversation. And, and, and she reached out the conversation and, and she said, Ashna asked her, to know how a computer thinks. And and she was a little stunned and like, so she asked that question again and then Asha repeated that she wanted to know how a computer thinks. So, so for a second, this therapist was dumbfounded because there's this 11 year old kid who's, we've all assumed is, you know, at a level of a pre-kindergarten, which is asking how computer thinks. And they actually went online and on Wikipedia, they talked, you know, they read about what algorithms are and things like that. And, and it was just, you know, it was jaw dropping. So, 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 you know, that's where we're like, okay, maybe there's more to this than just a child who's, who doesn't have the intellect. And so there is this, so, so the, this person therapist and Naini, my wife and Ashna, and they went to this to the speech psychologist. And we have a YouTube video of it where they did this big 45 minute video where the speech psychologist is sitting in the back to observe and uh, this therapist is working with Ashna. And, and so in that video, Ashna asks, why am I here? And uh, so the therapist says, we want to tell your psychologist like what, you know, what all uh, achievements you've been doing here. So what do you want to talk about? And out of the blue, Ashna says, I want to discuss pride and prejudice. Now, till now, you know, at age 11, she's reading, we're reading to her board books, right? You know, the kids, the, the things that you read to pre-kindergarten books and everything. We've never talked about it. And so I was just like, what you hear about all this? And so this video is a 45-minute video with Ashna, you know, with the therapist. You know, they went to Wikipedia and looked at Pride and Prejudice and person read a few phrases from it, you know, some synopsis, summary, then asked Ashna what she thought about it. And then Ashna and this girl have a discussion on, on racism and class. And, and, and at this particular moment, this is a child that we've been, you know, reading board books to. So the video ends with the, with the child psychologist just breaks down and starts crying. And she says, I've been wasting this girl's life. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach her things like grass is green, where... Just because we want her to be able to speak, this is this child is much more intelligent than this. And uh, so she says, you need to stop seeing me and you need to take her elsewhere. So actually, you know, we went to her school system and her school was very encouraging. And, you know, the thing with Ashna is that she's, she can, she advocates for herself, you know, so she's her best example. So we actually met with the school commission, the commissioner and, and, and within 15 minutes of talking to Vashna, she was like, okay, this child needs to be in a regular classroom. So in sixth grade, for the first time, Ashna was moved to a general ed classroom. 
and you know she had champions in school with her who would work so she would you know they would have a letter board and she would type out her answers and you know the school system would work with the teachers and they would adjust the program you know ashna has motor uh, challenges so she can't write easily she the words she she would say that the when she's reading something the words kind of swim in front so they went to audiobooks uh, or if there wasn't an audiobook available a person would read out the question and then ashna would answer uh, they would change the material a little bit so that if uh, you yeah, know there are things where you're supposed to draw something or make a sketch or something and ashna would just describe what she wants drawn and somebody else would draw it she got extra time for tests and 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 so that's how she went through and and she actually you know we we were worried but she went through 6th grade and and she went all the way through high school and so you know so so she she's she's graduated high school right now and uh, the thing with ashna was that she she we had held her back one year because uh, we at kindergarten level so even though rohan her son is a year younger than ashna they're both at the same class now the you know the the uh, the individuals with disability act in in america is pretty strong and that allows ashna to stay in school till she's 21 but she was she was already mad that she was like at the same class as rohan so she didn't want to do that and she was determined that she would finish high school so she finished high school in the four years so it was it was not easy you know covid introduced another challenges where they would have uh, people um, actually you know sit with her in class to go with this letter board but once covid happened and she was home and then the question was how would we do this so we kind of rearranged our life a little bit so um, you know i blocked out times when she had classes and i started sitting with her and doing her classes with her right so she'd be on camera and i'd hold the board and then she'd uh, she would type on it and uh, and then we would you know and i would type back on the keyboard sometimes she would type directly on the keyboard so we kind of worked through that and and that was in a way very helpful because because of covid times you know i was around a lot more and you know ashna and i got closer a lot closer that way and she felt that she could go to college and and do this and so she had been very determined to go to college not because like it's a career path or anything like that it was because it's she wants to be as normal as everybody else so she she applied right so i i wasn't sure whether she could do it but the one thing that we've all learned or at least even in her school has learned is that she's got a very strong opinion she gets it from uh, yeah and so and uh, and so she said no i want to do this i want to i want to have the same experience that regular kids have i mean that's her motivation right so, so when somebody asks what's your life goal and where does this go so we don't have our life goal is to try to give ashna as much of this experience that regular kids have so um you know so she 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 was finishing high school she she applied to colleges now since she can't live on her own we knew the college had to be local and uh, so so that was important for us she couldn't take sats i mean she can't do timing tests and anything like that so because with covid a lot of schools started going test optional that was actually beneficial for us and uh, you know she she actually wrote a college essay and her college essay is about the stages of grief 
And, and, uh, you know, and then she, you know, how it works with you go from uh, anger, denial, I don't even remember. There are like five stages to finally acceptance. And her college essay, she talks about a sixth stage where you overcome or you basically move beyond that, the acceptance stage. And then she talks about how she types, uh, how she's not able to speak. And so it's a pretty powerful essay. And, and she used that. And she applied to college and, um, you know, the, this is, it's still a very challenging environment because how do you give a college education to somebody who can't talk and, you know, has disabilities? So we weren't sure how this will go and how it will happen. But lo and behold, she actually did get accepted. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, we were planning to, because Ashna doesn't have any friends and all, so we had planned that her 18th birthday would be very big and we would go to the Virgin Islands. We couldn't because of COVID, so it was in her nineteenth, you know, on her nineteenth birth time. We were in COVID. We were in Virgin Islands, and then on her birthday, we got an acceptance letter that she'd been accepted to George Mason University, and uh, so that's where we are. Um, you know, uh, so one of the things that you know, some of the things that I've been talking about here with the. It's a, for us, we don't know where this will take us. Uh, you know, it's, it's not always straightforward for us. Uh, will she have a career with this? We do not know. But for us, it's all about the journey, right? So not, not reaching milestones and labels, but just to have a journey. And when people ask, uh, you know, sometimes people have asked me, you know, what's your return on investment? Because this is expensive. It's usually not only do we have to pay for college, to pay for somebody to sit with her in college to actually be her what they call a personal care attendant and the person holds a board and makes sure she gets to the right classes because she can get lost sometimes and go into her own world and, and you have to be close by to say hey okay we need to snap out of it and, and go do this other stuff and so so you're not only paying for college but you're paying for an attendant to be with her um, you know so this year but for the first year, I am taking some time off. I'm taking about six months off, and I'm going to go to college with her. She didn't want to go with somebody else. She wanted to go with me because it's a completely new experience, and she's going to a new world. And so so that's my office has been very gracious in that. Uh, they fully accept that. And so, so that's what I'm going to be doing, guys. Uh, I'm going to be going to a university back again to be with undergraduate children for the first six months. And then the next six months, my wife's going to take that on. And then after the first year, we're going to figure out who and how we can get somebody to come and be with her in classes and help her go through this whole system. And, you know, so again, when I was said I'll bring my son back into it. So my son, Rohan, you know, he's uh, been a regular kid and, uh, he uh, he went through a lot of the discussion and, and thoughts about uh, all all the other kids, but he's you know like like all of you all children. So, but he was very adamant that he's going to be close by to his sister. So he's going to be there for her, and so he's chosen the school just to be next to Ashna. And, and he's like, okay, I want to come home, be with her. Um, he has been her champion all his life. So, anyway. I mean, that's, that's a bit of our story. I don't want to take this on too long for you guys. So, uh, uh, Arun, Arun, uh, firstly, um, I'm just so filled with pride with 
how Ashna takes charge and uh, and and speaks for herself. That is, uh, that's an amazing thing. And I know uh, which parent <laughs> she got that from. But what a what a an inspiring journey, and also gives us so much perspective. All the things we were talking about earlier, it puts everything into so much perspective. Uh, so thank you for sharing that, Shashi. I think you want to say something. Well, I think um, Arun, you know, we grew up together. Um, our lives have taken a divergent path, and yours has taken what is definitely a much more challenging path than any one of us have gone through. I mean, it's incredible to hear the story, and I think it's something that we need to elaborate on more fully because there's so much depth in this story that needs to be brought out to our, for our listeners. Uh, but talk a little bit about uh, you know you ended by talking about your son's experience. Uh, talk a little bit about how he's dealt with this whole experience and why what's motivated him to be close and uh, to be so caring. So okay, so so he's it's it's interesting, right? So if if my son is not uh, you know he's not the honor student or anything. If you were to, uh, he was, he's always been the joker in our family. I mean, he's the glue that holds us all together as social. He is in, in Kharagpur. If you were to look at our old life, he would be the person who's out there to have fun with anybody. So he's been that guy who's always go out, have fun. He'll do enough to get grades, decent grades. He's not, he's not the scholar or anything like that. He has always had very strong you know, this thing's for Ashna. I remember when he was a kid and we watched Rain Man, as you know, because we wanted him to see the story about uh, autism and everything. And, and the last scene in that movie is with Dustin Hoffman, uh, you know, going, getting in the train and going away from Tom Cruise. My son just got up and he started bawling. I mean, and, uh, and then I, I got a lot of yelling at from my wife for making him watch the movie. But, but, he was really upset that uh, that the autistic kid was living away from. To him, the the idea that Ashna would not be with us is is just anathema. Like like you know, she'd never live in a home, and and he'll always be there for her. That's that's his uh, has always been a underlying. I don't know how he's just got it in him that he's uh, he's always going to be there for her. And uh, they are actually very close, the two of them. You know, he he and his friend like took Ashna for her prom. Like he was like, no, Ashna is going to have a full prom. And uh, you know, he was the he was the uh, he was the he was the person who was uh, going to be the uh, you know uh, he 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 was there with the board so that she could talk and, and guide her everywhere. But he said he's not going to be her date because that's creepy. So he actually had his friend, college friend, the two of them were going to go to uh, college together, become Ashna's date, and they went out for dinner, and then they went to this place, and, you know, so so he's done all of that. He and his friends actually take Ashna out all the time. They are, uh, you know, they, his, uh, he, he has three or four friends who are very close to him, but they're not, they're not very, uh, you know, they're not very driven in, like, reaching big goals or anything, but they're very empathetic and they're very proud of Ashna. And uh, they go out for for dinners and things like that because his, uh, his point is that, you know, Ashna shouldn't just go out with her parents. It's so stupid. She should go out with people her age. So he takes her everywhere. And, and, and when he is thinking about college and stuff like that, his one mind has always been towards Ashna all his life. It's like... Uh, 
like, you know, I need to be there for her. And he's got it in his head that he is going to be there for Ashna all his life. And so it's, uh, it's not easy. It's, it's not been easy for him. And, uh, you know, there, there was a period when he was, he felt alone in middle school because, uh, we, me and Naini were so worried about Ashna and that's been all our focus. And, and so we've talked about that in middle school. He felt very alone and lonely and, uh, but, but, uh, we've, we've gone through this. We've had long talks about it. Actually, COVID has helped a lot because he's gotten, you know, he's gotten more involved with Ashna in the last two years. He's her, uh, physical therapist in the sense that he, he, he does exercises for her. He makes her workout and, and he's a taskmaster. He's, he will not. Uh, as parents, we tend to do things for her because we feel sorry and everything, and, and he'll stop us. And he's like, no, she can do it on her own. And, and he pushes her a lot. So, and uh, they, you know, the Ashna's goal has been that she wants to be more independent. And she takes inspiration from Rohan because she wants to basically do everything that he gets to do. And, and so that's that's been our story a little bit. Hey, Shashi, thanks for that question. Uh, really, uh, Arun, uh, we probably don't say this enough to you, uh, but all of us, you know, we've, we've sort of seen you in the last decades after leaving IIT, and all of us have such immense respect and admiration for the wonderful job you and Nani have done with your kids, hearing uh, Ashna's story, hearing how Rohan interacts with her and takes care of her, uh, so inspirational and we wish both of them a fantastic and productive college experience and are looking forward to seeing all the great things they will do next and thanks so much for joining us today as as shashi said there's a lot more here that we can explore and uh, we would like to potentially bring you back for a more dedicated episode uh, uh, and we'll talk about that uh, afterwards but thank you so much for joining us today arun really appreciate you sharing this uh, beautiful story and really inspiring all of us thank you all right, guys, uh, time to conclude. We went longer than expected, but, but it's been such an amazing uh, conversation. Uh, let me bring this back to both of you before we close. So, Neeraj, I know you're unmuted. Go ahead. Uh, you got something on your mind? Dude, my mind is blown. So, I know I've been, I tend to be very stupid and sarcastic, but Arun's story has me. I mean, I knew portions of it, but even then listening it again, Oh my God. I mean, I'm, I'm totally speechless and I do want to ask him more questions. I do want to ask him more about, you know, not only, uh, Ashna, but you know, the Rohan and Nanny's experience too. So I definitely want to get him back. That's, that's what I leave it at. Absolutely. Shashi. I mean, I would echo that as well. You know, I mean, I think, um, some of us have been aware of, Arun and his story and his family story. Um, and I think this needs more investigation. But just going back to the broader theme um, of the whole session today, the the whole challenge of college admissions, you know, I have to say is, you know, it, it, it is something that has the potential to tax anyone's mind. Um, I hope this show today at least gave some examples of how people can go around navigating it. Uh, but we'd love to get the feedback from our listeners. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, college is a four-year experience that continues to bind so many of us together, even after what I feel old now, uh, almost 30 years. I graduated in 1993 with you guys. 
Uh, and anytime we meet, it's like we're back from college. Uh, anytime somebody picks up the phone and calls, it's like, yeah, what can we do? Let's talk, right? So I truly hope uh, my kids, your kids, everybody's kids will have a similar experience, which is not just about academics, but also the overall uh, experience of uh, uh, sharing, camaraderie, growth that comes in those four years. Well, uh, I guess that's a wrap. Uh, thanks to uh, all our guests for coming and sharing their stories. Uh, and thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we went a little longer than we expected, but uh, what a wonderful conversation. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show uh, via your favorite app. Uh, please rate us. It helps others find us. Uh, share with your friends. And uh, feel free to connect uh, with us via the email address we provided in the show notes. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in another week or so. Till then, bye-bye.